This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at afsp.org slash talkawaythedark. This is Reset. I'm Becky Levy, in for Sasha Ann Simons. Mayor Lori Lightfoot is only Chicago's second elected black mayor, and we all know who the first was. You want Harold? Well, here's Harold! <laughs> of course, that's Harold Washington. Back in April 1983, the former U.S. congressman was elected Chicago's first black mayor. His time in office was wrought with conflict among city officials, but his spirit and promise of government transparency united Chicago's Black and Latino communities at the time. Harold Washington was born 100 years ago this week, and the Chicago Public Library is celebrating his life and legacy with an exhibit at the, wait for it, Harold Washington Library. Joining us now with more on what you can expect to see is Stacy Williams. She's the Division Chief of Archives and Special Collections at the Chicago Public Library. Hi, Stacy. Hi, how are you doing? Very good. It's good to have you here. Thank also, you so much for having us. Yes. Also with us is Lynn Sweet, Washington Bureau Chief for the Chicago Sun-Times. Welcome back to Reset, Lynn. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. So, Stacy, let's talk about Harold Washington's early life. How did he get on track to become Chicago's first black mayor. Absolutely. Well, um, one of the areas that we explore in the exhibit and also in the permanent exhibit that has always been on the ninth floor, but in our new exhibit as well, is his congressional run Mm -hmm. um, and his 77 election and the factors that were a part of that that then led to him having a successful run in 83. And as a as a as his congressional run, Lynn, could you tell us a little bit about those those races prior to his successful mayoral campaign? Well, those were limited in scope. They were not citywide elections. He represented the first congressional district, which at the time was rooted on parts of the south side of Chicago. It is one of the most famous congressional districts in the nation. As just jumping ahead real quickly, uh, there's. 20 people running for the seat Bobby Rush is giving up. But this, where he came from politically, was important because it's one of the few districts that always had, uh, for for many years, since the, I think, the turn of the the century almost, had been represented by a black member of Congress. But he also had served in the Illinois General Assembly, and he was a known factor. So I would say for purposes of his mayoral run, there is really no comparison to what he had to do to win a seat in Congress. Right. Stacy, could you tell us a little bit about his time in the Illinois General Assembly? 
So on our end, and I didn't want to give away too much that's already in the exhibit, um, but what we cover is, again, his uh, elements of his political strategy, the thing that Mayor Washington embraced that we really wanted to highlight from his political papers was his ability to bring together people from across a variety of different constituencies in a city where politics were viewed as fractured. Uh, so we look to focus on the start of that political strategy during his congressional runs and then how that affected his later his later mayoral candidacy and administration. And with that sort of, I guess, black-brown coalition, Harold Washington um, was elected the first black mayor of Chicago in 1981. Let's take a listen to a little bit of his victory speech. We fought that good fight. We fought it with unseasoned weapons and a phalanx of people who mostly had never been involved in a political campaign before. This has truly been a pilgrimage. Our government will be moving forward as well, including more people and more kinds of people than any government in the history of Chicago. Now, Lynn, could you tell us a little bit about um, where you were on that election night? Election night, I can't tell you. Are you talking about now? Now, he had to have two big hurdles to clear. So I'm not sure where that speech was from. He first had uh, the primary where he had to beat Mayor, uh, then Cook County State's Attorney Rich Daly, and then incumbent Mayor Jane Byrne. And he won. And then, for a bunch of different reasons, and then he went on to beat Republican Bernie Epton with 51.8% of the vote. Uh, so there were two election nights. And if we, in, in the course of our conversation, I have a very vivid recollection of what I was doing on the day he, he died. But that election night, I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, I know he, um, you know, throughout many of his speeches, he talks about kind of being a bit of an underdog, uh, you know, and I know, Stacy, you sort of mentioned how he kind of built a coalition. Could you describe how he, he built his political strategy and, and his successful campaign? Sure. Um, well, you know, from the clip that you played, and I think what's really interesting is that, yeah, he talks about, you know, very different types of people who are who were engaging in political processes at that point. And so it wasn't just that you had this successful voter registration drive um, in black and brown communities, but across our collections, we also document, and in the speeches as well, where Mayor Washington really reached out to members of the Asian American and Pacific Islander community here in Chicago. He engaged with women extensively as 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 a voting bloc, as individuals in his administration. Um, we draw on some of that in the exhibit as well. Um, and he also was very active in trying to reach out and advocate for queer communities here in in Chicago. So, you know, being able to speak to not just not just the folks who saw in Harold that reflection of themselves, but that he he really was a, a people's politician. His, his strategy was about making those genuine connections uh, across the city. You know, I, here's what I do remember vividly. People in the city pr- wore, were engaged because so many people wore, wore their buttons, which, which you don't see that much now. People had a Herald button on or a Daily button or a Burn button on. So people kind of had their oh. camps. 
Yeah. But near the end of the, so two, there are other two factors here. Uh, not to, uh, I, I, I don't dispute anything that we're talking about, but there's a lot more to it, if I may add. Uh, Harold Washington was more or less left alone with most of the heavy incoming between uh, Rich Daly and Jane Byrne. They left Washington alone because they underestimated him and they didn't want to be seen as attacking uh, the one black candidate for mayor. But can we also recall that during this last week at the primary, there was a big escalation of uh, racism charges. And I think it was the Sun-Times reporter who went to some meeting and we reported that it was a racial thing. Don't kid yourselves. Mm -hmm. And that kind of broke out uh, racism all over the place. And then on Palm Sunday, some of our listeners are old enough to remember uh, Harold Washington was campaigning with then vice, uh, former Vice President Walter Mondale, and they went to St. Pascal's Church on the northwest side. And uh, this is now in the general race because Bernie Upton and Washington had both been invited earlier for uh, you know, to meet at the church. And uh, when Washington and Mondale arrived at the church, uh, there were a bunch of reporters there, and Washington and Mondale were just booed. And hmm. there was booing and jeering in a way that you might have this in the library, some clip of it, because there were a ton of reporters around. And so when you look at how Washington became mayor, there's story one in the primary with Daly and Byrne and himself. And then two, how things got ugly running against Bernie Epton because his slogan was deemed to have a racial tinge to it. Uh, Bernie, by the way, was a Jewish liberal Republican and a longtime member of the Illinois State Legislature, but his campaign was run in a sense by a lot of Washington Republicans, and his slogan was, vote for Epton, quote, before it's too late. Yeah, I was just going to add that. Yeah, there was, we'll get to some of the racial tensions in just a moment. You're listening to Reset. I'm Becky Vivi in today for Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking about the life and legacy of Harold Washington, Chicago's first black mayor who was born 100 years ago tomorrow. We're joined by Lynn Sweet, Washington Bureau Chief for the Chicago Sun-Times, and Stacey Williams, Division Chief of Archives and Special Collections at the Chicago Public library. Now, Lynn, once Washington was in office, he faced a lot of opposition from city council members and much of that, again, racially charged. Could you talk a little bit about what were the big issues and sort of the contentious relationship he had with the council? Again, some people might remember it, but I think for all our listeners, uh, the term council wars came out of that period. And I think it was coined by uh, comic Aaron Freeman, who is still in the Chicago area. Uh, I, I think he's the one. And so we had a term called the Verdoliac 29, Ed Verdoliac, who, fast forward, is either in prison or soon to be. Uh, so Ed Verdoliac, Ed Burke, the now indicted Ed Burke, and basically a coalition of uh, the white aldermen, plus I think a few of the machine uh, black aldermen became the 29. And then Harold Washington, there were still 50 wards, needed to get to 50. So it was just blocking. You name the issue, it, it, it wasn't getting done because Harold Washington did not have the power to run or the lo lo lovers of government. So there was a historic election 
uh, for the 26th Ward, where Luis, Luis Gutierrez, who are, we know now as the former congressman, but he worked in the Washington City Hall. He won that. And I'm blanking for a minute on the other ward that was up. Anyway, the Harold Washington candidates, including Gutierrez, won those wards. And so that gave Washington power over the city council. So I would say in the first look at what happened in governing, think of obstruction by the vote for Act 29 uh, meant that whatever the agenda or issue was, it just wasn't getting done and things where you needed to have uh, city council approval. But if you then look at things like the hiring of a far more diverse city hall, it came about in that period. I was part of a sometimes uh, team of five people, and we did a 13-part series in 1986 where we measured Washington was doing every which way, and we recorded how there is an enormous amount of community outreach because Harold Washington was very sensitive to not wanting to be accused of just doing things for the black community. Mm-hmm. So he was very mindful and mm-hmm. how he, in a sense, uh, spread out city assets and things he could control. Right. And, you know, you mentioned that there were some aldermen elected uh, that were on his side for that second term. But a few months into his second term, Washington died suddenly. And amid a lot of you know speculation, officially, it was ruled a heart attack. Um, what questions did people have at the time about about his death? Uh, Stacy, do you want to take a take a so, so actually, I must fully admit to you that I was something like four or five years old at that time. <laughs> That's not the question. <laughs> well, maybe Lynn. I <laughs> yeah, I know Lynn had um had vivid memories. So, Lynn, do you want to share your vivid memories of that day? About that day, and I don't think after um, I, the medical examiner, whatever was deemed the uh, deemed the cause, was generally accepted. It was well known that uh, Mayor Washington had a love of fried chicken, was overweight. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't at issue. So if you want, I can tell you my vivid memory of the day. Yes, please do. That day, I was supposed to have lunch at the Wrigley Building with then Harold Washington Press Secretary Alton Miller, who I just called before we did the show to make sure that my recollection was right. And he wrote about this in his book, Harold Washington, the Mayor and the Man. Uh, So... He wrote about how he wanted to have lunch with me at the Wrigley Building, you know, a grown-up lunch, he wrote, because I was a young reporter that Harold Washington wanted to cultivate. So I started the day really looking forward to making some inroads and to getting sources and reporting uh, and maybe getting a story out of Alton that would be an exclusive. So Mm -hmm. a short time later, of course, we in the newsroom got the news that Washington was taken to the hospital. And even though we all had our different sources, we thought he he had passed away, but we couldn't say it yet. Now, this was in an era where you didn't have Twitter, internet, other people, pictures. So uh, we had a little bit of time, so I was dispatched to City Hall. So I went to City Hall, and as soon as I walked in, I saw the fire commissioner, Uh. and I just looked at the fire commissioner who was as distraught and ashen as ever. And I said, is it true? And I somehow I was in, in, in whatever I was doing in city hall and running into people 
who would be in a position to know? I realized the mayor was dead. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not the final one to give the uh, confirmation, but that was my contribution to saying as we look in these next few minutes, my sources are telling me in City Hall, where I'm walking around here, that he did pass away. Wow, wow. And that's just blazed in my memory. Seared in your brain. You'll never forget it, I'm sure. Um, we're running... can share is uh, that very last day, what we have in the archives was one of the last speeches he ever gave. Um, it was that morning to the Kenwood Oakland Community Organization, November 25th, 1987, um, and that was his last public event, um, at which which preceded then Lynn's memory. Um, and of the speeches that we have, you know, I think the thing that's really interesting about his legacy is represented in the collection is, you know, Lynn, Lynn harkened back to, to the memories of council wars, but interestingly enough, the term council wars doesn't actively appear in the political papers. It, it maybe crops up in one or two places. And it's just a really interesting lens on how that particular, you know, phrase and the struggles, how he maybe viewed that or, you know, separated or sectioned that in his day to day. Because what the papers show are Harold at work caring for the people, working for the people, as he had always done. Mm-hmm. Well, we could talk about Harold's legacy for uh, hours, I'm sure. We are out of time, and um, I want to encourage listeners to visit the exhibit at the Harold Washington Library. It runs until the end of the year. Thank you to Stacy Williams, the Division Chief of Archives and Special Collections at the Chicago Public Library, and Lynn Sweet, the Washington Bureau Chief for the Chicago Sun-Times. Thank you both so much. That's it for today's Reset. For more conversations about Chicago politics, news, and entertainment, subscribe to this podcast. And please give us a rating. It helps other listeners find us. I'm Becky Vivi, in for Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. You can catch us back here tomorrow with our weekly news recap. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.